Three and a half years, ten seasons, and 295 episodes have elapsed since Roleplay Rescue began. Where have we got to? What's the pathway forward? And do I have anything else left to say? Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, Rescuers, and thank you for listening. Roleplay Rescue is the podcast about rediscovering our lost tabletop role-playing games hobby. It started about three and a half years ago, and it's been a journey which began from my frustration with other people's busy lives, and ended up revealing that, in fact, I had become a giant hypocrite. My life, like the lives of most people I know, became jam-packed with too many things, which bubbled over into full-blown anxiety and, at times, depression. Season 10 began with a theme in mind. How can I help the anxious, overworked and generally overwhelmed gamer get back to the table? To answer this, I decided to first look in the mirror. I'm a 50-year-old white male with a busy career. I'm a British high school teacher and I'm staring down the barrel of the latter third of my life. What can someone like me do to get back to playing and sharing the activity I have loved since I was very young? I find myself at another key juncture in my career as a GM of role-playing games. I realise that even though I'm experienced and enjoy the act of play, I have lost touch with the roots of what makes this hobby so rich and rewarding. I've been feeling less rewarded and more anxious about my games, but two key insights have nudged me back towards nurturing what Eastern philosophers might term the beginner's mind. As I reach episode 20 of this 10th season, a milestone I set up in my mind at the beginning, I am taking stock and wondering what more I can share with this fantastically supportive Roleplay Rescue community. As cheesy as it felt when I completed the passion statement task proposed by Kenny Norris about two weeks ago, itself an exercise taken from his 2015 blog post entitled How to Respark Your Missing Role-Playing Passion. This is available in the collected archives. Anyway, as much as that felt like a cheesy thing, it did re-engage me with the core of what had attracted me to RPGs back in the late 70s and early 1980s. The details are perhaps not important, but my main learning has been that, putting nostalgia aside, certain features in my gaming came around again and again, but I haven't paid enough attention to them because I so often allow the desires and tastes of my players to crowd out my own passion. That being said, I have also begun to internalise perhaps the simplest truth of all about role-playing games. Most of the problems I face as a GM arise from a failure to prioritise the primary strength of RPGs. This was brought home to me very clearly while reading the Alexandrian's 2015 blog series entitled The Railroading Manifesto. Quote, most of the problems that arise from railroading are the direct result of negating the primary strength of the RPG as a medium. 
player choice, end quote. I have focused an awful lot recently on my methodology while at the table with players, but underestimated the importance of figuring out my methodology for preparation of the game. A side effect has been that my games are much too limited in choice for my tastes. Put it another way, I'm sure that I would not enjoy the games I run half as much as I might have imagined. But diagnosis is a good step. Going forward, I've decided to return to the position of the beginning GM and seek to clarify for myself the most effective and rewarding methods for preparing my games going forward. How can I prioritise both my own passion for the hobby and the elements that ignite my love of role-playing, plus give the players maximum meaningful choice in my adventures? As I roll towards the end of Season 10 of this podcast, I can see the challenge of building a more complete methodology that needs to become my primary focus, and perhaps will even give birth to Season 11. But for now, I am glad that I've returned to first principles, and I hope that I will have the discipline to stick with them. Back in Episode 17... Emergent play, I proposed an experiment. I was to run an SF one shot with rules behind the screen and using GM emulation tools to help drive the play. The idea was that this would reduce my prep, loosen up my GMing, and be more fun for both players and myself. While the game was enjoyable and worked out kinda okay, the truth is that my experiment failed for me as a GM on a number of points. The game's second session, during which the GM emulation tools really kicked in, was stressful and more difficult than I had expected. This initially seemed weird to me, given my enjoyment of solo role-playing and previous use of the tools alone, but a little bit of reflection revealed something useful to me. I figured out why that session wasn't engaging me or the players as much as I liked, and I also figured out the primary reason why I might find solo play so short-lived at my table. This realisation arrived really when reflecting on the first session, which had been a lot of fun for me, but possibly less so for the players. The opening session was a sequence of events stolen from the introductory adventure Escape from the Institute, created for the Alternity 2018 game. I was uncomfortable with lifting the sequence, but the temptation was strong because the need I had to create characters through play. I gave in, shifted the location of the Institute, and added the starship elements I needed using the Location Crafter as a random location generator. On the night, the heavily scripted introduction worked as expected and I was able to present a coherent introduction to the wider game. I kept telling myself that the linear start was fine because the rest of the game would open things up. I couldn't have been more wrong. What I had built was a railroad with random location generators. I had placed myself into the position of improvising a whole load of things that really needed planning and planning a whole load of stuff that I could have easily improvised. But as I said in the episode, this was an experiment. Failure was a possibility. The question was simple. What could I learn from this? Quote, Railroads happen when the GM negates a player's choice in order to enforce a preconceived outcome. End quote. Justin Alexander's series of blog posts entitled The Railroad Manifesto begins with these words, and when I first read them I was telling myself it didn't really apply to me. 
The truth, however, is that while most of my railroading behaviours are quite subtle by comparison to some, nonetheless I have grown to fall back on strategies of play that lead to railroading my players. Quote, Note, however, that both parts of this equation are important. The choice must be negated and the reason it's being negated is because the GM is trying to create a specific outcome. End quote. In other words, it's not a railroad if the players don't achieve their desired outcomes. Quote, a player might want to hit an ogre with his sword. If he fails his attack roll, that's not railroading. If the GM secretly changes the ogre's AC so that the PC misses, that's railroading. End quote. Neither is it a railroad if the GM has a preconceived outcome in mind. Quote, the GM might make a note that the beautiful dame Jane Adams is going to contact one of the FBI agents on May the 15th with information about a KGB operation targeting Manhattan Project scientists. Unless the PC deliberately goes into hiding for some reason, it's still not railroading when Jane Adams shows up, end quote. And it's also not railroading when choices have consequences. If the ogre fights back when you missed them this round, that's not railroading. It's the ogre responding appropriately to your inept character. Quote, in fact, choices having consequences is the exact opposite of a railroad. Railroading makes a choice meaningless. Consequences make a choice meaningful, end quote. And it's this concept of choice that tingled my spidey sense. There is an addendum article to the Alexandrian's Railroad Manifesto entitled Random Railroads, and this was when the penny dropped for me. I hope that he'll forgive me for the extensive quotation coming up, but here's what I had done with the Institute Starship. I had created a long list of possible locations and was randomly generating the next location as the PCs made a choice. In truth, the first few locations were entirely linear because I forgot to add a random number of exits until the second set of random rolls, but linear isn't the problem here. If the GM creates a random list of locations and rolls from that list to generate the next location, is this railroading? Quote, As they encounter locations, you cross them off the random encounter table. Since they're randomly generated, however, the sequence in which they're encountered may vary. Is that a railroad? Does your answer change if I similarly strip off locations until the random encounter table consists of a single location? Does this mean that random content generators are an example of railroading? Well, no. But this thought experiment does demonstrate the complexity of these issues and the danger of trying to create some sort of railroading purity test for various techniques without considering the motivation, context and methodology of their use. The core distinction here is whether or not the players are making a meaningful choice. In this scenario, the choice of direction has been rendered meaningless since you'll have the same experience regardless of which direction you go. And if the choice is meaningless, why are you having the players make it? Why are you lying to them about the choice being meaningful? End quote. All right, so I'm just going to unpack that a little bit in relation to my scenario. So I have a list of locations on the starship and I'm randomly generating what's behind the next door or the next exit that the players choose to use. Whether there's 10 things or 20 things on that list or whether there's just one, the effect is the same. Whatever I roll will be the next thing that comes up, whichever door they take. And therefore, the idea of the door being a choice is actually false. 
The choice is actually meaningless. It doesn't matter which door they go through, they're going to come to the next randomly generated thing on the table. And that, I would suggest, is railroading. It was actually an anecdote on the Alexandrians blog that really helped me to get this. So I'm going to share that with hope that Justin will forgive me. Quote, Random anecdote time. Many, many moons ago, my players needed to explore the sewers beneath the major fantasy metropolis. I didn't want to map the sewers out, and the only game structure I really understood for that sort of thing at the time was dungeon crawling, so I came up with a system which randomly generated dungeon crawling maps for the sewer. This worked just fine, and the players were having a great time, until they realised that the terrain was being randomly generated. Their interest in exploring the sewers instantly evaporated. They knew that their choices were irrelevant. There was nothing that could actually be discovered. They were using a game structure of exploration, but they weren't actually exploring anything. This taught me a really important lesson as a GM. In order for an exploration scenario to work, there has to actually be something to explore. If all choices are equally likely to get you to your goal because your discoveries are being randomly generated or because the GM has predetermined their sequence, then your choices become meaningless and meaningless choices are boring and frustrating, end quote. Now, to be clear, this is not an attack on procedural content generators such as random encounters and such things. It's a realisation about how they are best used. The problem with my scenario was the same problem the Alexandrian ran into many years earlier. If you want to run a deeply immersive otherworld exploration game, then there needs to be something within that otherworld to actually explore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, led me right back to my gaming roots. Everything clicked into place in my mind. The problems at the table were all rooted in the problems in my preparation of the game. Good prep would have focused on creating a rich, expansive and deep otherworld for exploration and the road to that experience had been paved right back at the beginning of the hobby with the three most basic game structures. What I needed was a location crawl and that required a map or diagram of the location, not a random table. So here I am. Back at the start of the season, I asked what would happen if I just started a new season with very little in the way of a plan. The answer is that we'd have a sprawling ramble through the weeds and emerge at the end with a key discovery. Methodology is king in role-playing games. For all the talk of rule systems and cool worlds, the most neglected and yet most important toolset for creating the experience you want at the table is your methodology. But it's more than what you do at the table. Methodology includes your preparation for play too. The decisions we make as we prepare the world, the characters and the situations for the game all need to build on the core strength of role-playing games. They need to offer meaningful player choice. It needs to matter what players choose to do. The players need to be able to choose what to do and how they do it in every individual situation you present. They also need to be able to choose which situations to get into in the first place. And there needs to be space for players to choose the goals they pursue within the game. While the GM must, I believe, provide clear and enticing scenario hooks, and buckets of them is the ideal, in the end, It's just as okay if the players ignore all of them and go off to do their own thing. 
It's their choice that matters, and the GM's role is to place obstacles in their path, to challenge the characters with complications, and to fairly adjudicate the consequences of their decisions. To this end, I've opened a new chapter in my career as a GM. It's time for me to forge my own methodology in role-playing, built upon the wisdom and experience of the community since 1974 D&D was first published. It feels like it'll be a challenge, largely because I carry the scars of what the Alexandrian termed abused gamer syndrome. As serious as that might sound, I have become largely desensitised to the railroads I've played in, and I often seek refuge in the only one truly meaningful element of choice left in a lot of games within which I play, namely the combat. And so, dear rescuers, as I move towards the end of this season, I'm asking myself how I can maximise player choice in my gaming. All of the tools I have spoken about, piecemeal over the past three years, are coming together. The task is to learn how to use them in a more holistic methodology and in ways that work for me as the anxious GM. Perhaps Season 11 will begin to unpack these core methodological principles. The unique experiential offer of RPGs is wide player choice. Choices have meaning and they have consequences and in the exploration of those consequences lies the crucible of story. Game structures matter and it's time to deploy them in a coherent intentional manner. Smart prep as distinct from low prep, no prep and fast prep. Smart prep is the key to overcoming anxiety for the GM. And taken together, the collected wisdom of the last 50 years of gaming holds all the answers we need. So thanks for listening, and I hope you'll continue to follow along in this journey. Which brings me to a crossroads. What to do? Well, there's at least one more episode, and possibly two, left to share in Season 10. Not least, I want to share the many comments and questions that listeners have called in via SpeakPipe in recent weeks, collecting them together into a final, reflective episode. Before that, and my fingers are firmly crossed as I say this, I'll be able to bring you at least one more interview conversation from a good friend of Roleplay Rescue. But the winds of chaos blow strangely, so no promises there. Once the season's completed, I am going to take a break but I think I will be aiming to share my proposal for a methodology designed to help the lost gamer overcome their anxieties and get back to the gaming table. I think there's going to be a season 11. The Crucible has arrived. Can I learn to rescue my own games and then show you how to do the same? Well, I certainly hope so. I believe that I can. And I hope that you'll join me when, after a bit of a break, I return with season 11. Game on. Hey Che, this is John from Tale of the Manticore. Just trying out SpeakPipe here for the first time. I just got back from a walk having listened to uh, your April 8th episode on Emergent Play and you're talking about uh, how do we make the DM have fun too. Um, You and I are set to talk uh, over Zoom over the next little, uh, little while, in a week or two. And I thought, you know what? I should uh, I should issue a challenge. It's a challenge for both of us. How about this, Che? Uh, you and I sit down for a 15-minute zero-prep game with two players, that's you and I, 
and no GM. We're going to try a GM emulator instead. Could fail, could succeed. The only way to find out would be to try. Let me know if you're down for it, my friend, and really enjoyed the episode. Keep up the great work. So long. Um, John, challenge accepted. I mean, how can I say no? Of course. I look forward to it. And fingers crossed, the winds of chaos won't get in the way. Game on. And that's it for this week. Big thank you once again for showing up and listening. Thanks also to our callers today. You know I love questions and comments, so if you've got one, please feel free to call in via speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue. You'll find you can just click on the message button and speak for one and a half minutes. If you're on your phone, hop onto the show notes because you'll be able to find a direct link there. Thanks also to all the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show. Without that support, I'm pretty sure I couldn't keep going. Thank you. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.